0: Welcome to Cornerstone Bible Fellowship's online sermons. Join us each week as we dig into the truths of God's Word. You can find our sermons online at cbf.us/sermons. We'd love to have you join us for our worship service on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at our campus at 7351 Warden Road, Sherwood, Arkansas. Now, let's listen to this week's sermon. I trust that you had a wonderful celebration of Jesus' birthday yesterday. What an amazing thing that God has come to us in the form of a baby. I am so honored today to have portions of my family here with me. My parents, June and Marty Dell, along with two of my boys, are here with me. And I am really awestruck at the responsibility of teaching God's Word. So let me pray to get us started. Uh, Father God, I, I do thank you for your goodness to us. God, I pray that your word would go forth, that I would not stand in the way of that, God. And uh, I pray that uh, this would uh, the words that I speak would be uh, from your heart. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you. Plans to bring about prosperity and not disaster. Plans to give you a future and a hope. How many of you have ever heard that verse before? Yeah, okay. How many of you can quote that verse? Well, good for you. Good. Very good. Well, the first time I have ever heard that verse was in February of 1984, when I was a freshman in college, and every plan that I had made was coming to an end. You see, eight months before that time, I had everything figured out, or so I thought. I was raised in a wonderful family. I had graduated from high school in the top five of my class of over 400 kids. I was a three-sport athlete and was twice All-State in baseball. I had a girlfriend. My goodness, what more could I want? I was headed off to college to be an engineer and play baseball. But when I got to Iowa State, I found out that I was in way over my head. Classes were really hard. I was not nearly as talented in baseball as I thought that I was. And I was over 600 miles away from my family and from my girlfriend. But you know what? God had a plan in all this. It was just amazing to me. I was living with another baseball player who was a Christian. And he had friends who had come by the dorm room, and shared Bible verses with him. I thought this was a little bit different, but it was interesting. Uh, But one day, he told me he had to learn how to share an illustration with people as part of his Bible study. And he asked me if his friend could come and show it to me so that I could learn how to do it. Little bit of trickery there. Uh, now that I realize that, but um, so later that week, his sh- his friend shared with me an illustration called the bridge. The bridge. See, yep, there it is. Thanks, Wayne. Um, so the bridge shows that we are separated from God. Okay, so so you got. If I can get my directions. Okay, so we got man on this side and God on this side, and we're separated him from our from our sins. Romans three twenty three says all have sinned and fall short to the glory of God. And it goes further on to say in Romans 6 that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it's because of that wage that we have earned through our sin that we are separated from God and cannot reach Him. No matter what we do, no matter what our good works are, we still fall short. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourself. It's the gift of God, so that none of us can boast about that. And it's because of this separation that God had to do something. See, he loves us so much that he wants us close to him. and He, he did something about that. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. That was That's amazing that God would reach out and, and bridge that gap. But let me ask you this. Hey, kids, how many of you got a Christmas gift yesterday? Okay? And uh, how long was that gift underneath the tree? Since Thanksgiving or so? Yeah, and, and how excited were you to get that? But it was doing you no good underneath that tree. See, it was over here, way over here, and did you no good whatsoever until you reached out and, and, and received that. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And taking that gift is what I hadn't heard before. And later that night, I took that gift, I asked Jesus to be my Savior, and he came into my life and began changing it immediately. I wanted to follow God for all that and all that he had. In fact, the next day I was walking to class, and I slipped on some ice, and I said some bad words. And uh, and I, I was just convicted in my heart that, you know, something has got to change. God has got to change me. And he did. And he started changing my spiritual life. But you know what? My circumstances didn't change a whole lot. I had gotten a 2.1 grade point average um, that first, first semester. And just, I mean, that was, I had like a 397 in high school. And there I was just barely passing. In the same week that those midterms came out in February, I found out when the midterms came out that I was only passing one of my classes. So and then in that same week, the preliminary roster the baseball spring trip came out and I wasn't on it. And then, of all things, to top it off on this wonderful week, I got the Dear John letter from my girlfriend. (laughs) Oh, man, it was over. Uh, In in one week, all three things that I'd been trusted in had put all my trust in. All three legs of that stool were kicked out. And I, I I was left with what do I have? And that same guy that shared the bridge illustration with me came by and knew that I'd had this miserable week and uh, shared with me this verse, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, that God alone knows the plans that he has for me. And stuck with me. This verse has really become essentially my life verse or the verse that I, I, I quote a lot and come back to. But I realize now that sometimes... That this verse can be taken out of context. And it doesn't always make sense. And, you know, looking back, my circumstances weren't all that bad. Uh, many of you have had much worse. In fact, many of you and many of my plans haven't worked out at all. Sometimes we're not prosperous, prospering. Our financial situation is not what you want it to be. We're not successful in our relationships. Our bodies betray us and we get sick. Loved ones die or get horrible diseases. How do we make sense of God's word in light of what we see happening in the world around us and in our own lives? So I believe the key is to look at the context of the verse. So let's take a look at what this verse means in the context of the book of Jeremiah and the rest of the Bible. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29.1 says, These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles, and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconia and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elisha, the son of Saphon, and Jemariah, the son of Hilkal, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Look at verse verse 1. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet... Who was Jeremiah? Jeremiah was a prophet. He was a prophet of God who served for over 40 years. He had been speaking the words of God since the good king Josiah reigned. Josiah was the last good king of of Judah. After Josiah, Jeremiah continued speaking the words of God during the reign of the final four kings of Judah. At the time that this letter is written, you can see this was after King Jaconia and the queen mother, the eunuchs and the officials were all taken from Jerusalem. So at the time that this letter is written, the Babylonian Empire under King Nebuchadnezzar is busy conquering the Middle East. First, he overthrows the Assyrians, which had conquered the ten northern tribes of Israel. Then he defeats Egypt and turns his eyes on Jerusalem. And Babylon, the Babylonian Empire lays siege to Jerusalem three different times. And the first time that he conquers Jerusalem, he takes the king, and 10,000 Jews back to Babylon. And this included some of the all-star youths from the upper class, including Daniel and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So who's left there in Jerusalem? Jeremiah the prophet is still there, along with a puppet king, Zedekiah. And this letter is written to the first exiles Before Nebuchadnezzar comes back and completely destroys Jerusalem during the third and final siege. So verse three talks about, or verse two talks about all these different people that were there. And what do you think their plans for their life were? No doubt many of the upper class had big plans for themselves and their children. Others were craftsmen, busy making a lives for themselves. They were raising their families, teaching their kids making a living the best way that they knew how. Many of them were not following God, but I know that some of them probably were. But whatever their circumstances in Jerusalem, it all changed suddenly. let look at verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So, Catch the very first phrase in verse 4. Actually, it's not the first, but... To all the exiles whom I have sent into exile. So God was in control. This did not happen by accident. He sent them for their collective disobedience and rebellion against him. For 400 years, the people in Israel had been on a pendulum swinging between obeying God and idol worship. So the exile was a direct consequence of their collective disobedience. Verse 5 says, Build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. Verse 6, Take wives and sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not do not decrease. Verse 5, Build houses and live in them. Think of that. They were not to live in tents, they were to go ahead and settle in. They were to build houses. They were to, to plant gardens. One of the versions that I was reading says they were to plant fruit trees. You all know how long fruit trees take to mature. I've been here for 14 years. I got my first apple uh, off, off one of our trees. And so it takes a long time for fruit uh, to, to, to be produced on fruit trees. So they were going to be a while there. Verse 6 says they are to get married and have children. And to give your children to be married so that there will be grandchildren. Have children and multiply. What a command to these these people that their whole world was was disrupted. And this is what they're being told, told to do. They're told to prosper. Later the Bible gives us some indication of what has occurred. So I want to ask you, how many of you grew up within 50 miles of here? How many of you... All right. Okay? So statistically, Cornerstone's not exactly the same, but statistically, 50% of the people in the United States grew up 50 miles, within 50 miles of their hometown. But many of us at Cornerstone are transplants. Some of our own choosing, and some of us were exiled here. But we are to grow where we are planted. Don't pine away wishing to be somewhere else. You know, the Air Force base sends us lots of exiles. Some get sent here and, are reti- and retire and are growing. We recently had a pilot that came to visit uh, Cornerstone for six weeks for his training at the, at the base. What a blessing he was to us as he fully engaged. Others have been long-term transplants, such as some of the original members of Cornerstone, who have been faithfully serving for more than 40 years. So if you are just passing through, while you're here, invest in people's lives. Time is well spent with others. If you're married, have children here. For long-term members, invest in those that come through, even if only for a little while. Appreciate those who have been here for a long time and who do get get fully involved. So in summary, at that point, you may not be where you plan to be, and it may be a consequence of bad decisions but know that God has you where he wants you to be. Look at uh, the next verse, verse 7. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. So be a good citizen wherever you are. It says to seek the welfare of the city and pray to the Lord on its behalf. To seek the welfare of the city, we must recognize the legitimacy of the government. God has established a government that, that is in place. Romans 13.1 says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have, have been instituted by God. Let's remember some of the people that have been exiled. What happens to them? Think of Daniel and his three friends. Daniel becomes third in command over the entire Babylonian empire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego become governors of portions of Babylon. Others include Mordecai, who exposed a plot to kill the king, and and Esther, who became queen, perhaps not of her own choosing, but she served and she saved her people. And we just got done learning about Nehemiah, who was the chief of staff to Cyrus the Great. Those people took these words to heart, and they prospered and they sought the welfare of the country that they were in. The point is the Jews made their community better. Even though they were aliens and strangers in Babylon, they were involved in the fabric of their community. They they abstained from the sinful practices around them, but they engaged in the governments and the communities. They were a blessing to those all around them, even when they were met with with suspicion over being a Jew. The welfare of the city resulted in their welfare. Christians are aliens and strangers in this world. While we are here, we need to ask ourselves, how can we be a good influence in our neighborhoods, in central Arkansas? You know, Christians have always been a good influence where they've gone, but we can't pat ourselves on the back. We need to be fully involved in the ministries around us to the poor, to those that are less fortunate. We need to be fully engaged with them. One more note on this. The Jews there even survived turmoil amidst transitioning governments. During their exile, there were multiple changes in leadership and even in empires. Daniel himself served multiple Babylonian kings and even saw Babylon fall to King Darius of the Medes. We've seen a lot of turmoil, too, in the last two years, from COVID to racial protests to a change in presidents. We too need to seek the welfare of our country. Rebellion is not an option, and demonstrations that turn to violent riots, either in our streets or at the U.S. Capitol, are out of line with followers of our Lord Jesus Christ. I urge you to be first and foremost a follower of Jesus and not a Republican or Democrat. So God's plan for us is to grow where we are planted, be a good citizen by seeking the welfare of our community. And the third point is to be careful of our dreams. Verse 8 and 9 says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. So during this time, there are many different so-called prophets and advisors they gave advice to the kings and to the people. They spoke from their pulpits, and they were saying, "You know what? This is not going to be a. a, a this is going to be a really short exile. We need to rebel against Babylon." They were speaking what they wanted to say. And one of them was Hananiah. In Jeremiah twenty-seven and twenty-eight, it talks about Hananiah and how he told the people that God would break the yoke of bondage from Babylon, and he gave a glowing vision of how God would restore them. Jeremiah, after hearing this, even said, Amen, may God do this. But later God revealed fully to Jeremiah that this was not how it was going to be. This was not the dream that was going to come true, and it was not part of God's plan. So follow your heart is synonymous with with, uh, follow your dreams. It's a very popular thing to say in our culture. Everywhere you go, you you hear, whatever you want to do, just follow your heart. That's what's always right. You can't go wrong if you follow your heart. An example of this is the Olympics. In a, couple of, in, in a little over a month, we're going to hear time and time again how athletes follow their dreams to be the world's greatest skier or ice skater or bobsledder. But is that really what we are to give ourselves to? See, the problem is, is that our heart is deceitful. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Other times we think, but you know what? I'm a Christian. Doesn't it say I got a new heart? Can I trust that? Ezekiel 36 says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. In the New Testament, Hebrews 8.10 says, I will put my law into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. I want to urge you, instead of following your heart, Follow the spirit that is in your heart. Our problem is that even though we have a new heart, we still have our old tendencies. We still have so much of our old left in us that still needs to be changed. Yes, we've been saved, but we're still being transformed. So the key is training our heart to follow the Holy Spirit. Psalm 37.4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the, the, the desires of your heart. So how do we train our hearts to follow the Spirit? Fill our minds with good things. Renew our minds. This coming year, as you're making your New Year's resolutions, resolve to put God, resolve to put into your minds things of God. So God's plans are for you to be careful to follow of your dreams and and to make sure that you follow His Spirit. So now we finally get to the verse that we started from. Know that God will fulfill his promises. He is a promise keeper, and he will fulfill his purpose. Oftentimes our vision of prosperity or welfare is not the same as the Lord's. While we think it's financial prosperity, perhaps it's more likely the richness of knowing God, the fullness of a life lived for others, the richness of having friends. Verses 12 and 13 is an urging for us to call out to God. Listen to these words. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. We are to seek him no matter what. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. You can trust God. Try it the next time that you're stuck in something. Don't take things into your own hands. Sit and pray. Ask God what to do. For me, it's really helpful to remember what God has done in the past and to to recall back how faithful he has been to you. Now, verse 14 is, is a very specific promise to the Jews in exile. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, which I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you to exile. That's a very specific promise, and we can't necessarily claim that for us. But the principles within this chapter apply and are true. God cares so much for you and has a future for you. And that's the context of Jeremiah 29.11. So think back to where I started. God had a plan for my life. I ended up being discipled by some very godly people. They helped me put God in the center of all my activities. With God's help, I was able to graduate with an engineering degree while playing baseball. God gave me a wonderful wife and four children. Did I end up where I expected to be here in central Arkansas? No, I had never dreamed I would be here. But that's okay. God has used those experiences, hopefully, to encourage you. So be encouraged. Grow where you are planted right here in central Arkansas. Be a good citizen and seek the welfare of our community. Follow the Holy Spirit and not your heart. And remember that God alone knows the plans that he has for you.